Coming up on This Week in Games, Microsoft Games Q2 earnings, esports betting has arrived, and Epic Games raises money. But for what? Coming up This Week in Games. Welcome to This Week in Games. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and this was a jam-packed week with some good news, some bad news, some news that raises some eyebrows. <laughs> so let's get into it. Microsoft Gaming Division posts major growth. So 44% year-over-year revenue growth. Hardware saw year-over-year increase of 94% in revenue. Xbox Software and Services saw a year-over-year increase of 36% in revenue. That's pretty crazy because if you think about it, Xbox didn't release anything this quarter and they had a giant quarter anyway. So Xbox is doing right by the players and getting reward for it. And frankly, I think it has a lot to do with Game Pass, which is the other big announcement from Xbox's game division. Microsoft to expand its successful Game Pass to PC. So currently, PC gamers only receive first party titles, but CEO of all of Microsoft, Satya Nadella, says Microsoft intends to expand the offering to include older titles and third-party releases reflecting the offerings that Xbox players get. And this is it. I keep hammering this point, people, but cloud gaming is Microsoft's to lose. Because right now, they're already finding a way to make a successful business out of subscriptions. They're releasing their first-party titles across PC and Xbox. They're swallowing up major developers, you know, left and right. And they're releasing a cloud gaming product in 2019. They're the only one who has all the check marks to successfully win the cloud gaming market. You know, they have exclusivity. They have people on a subscription already. They have the cloud gaming product and the Azure network to back it up. I mean, what? <laughs> come on, Microsoft. We need this. Hurry up. And the next uh, story is a bit strange because I frankly never thought this day would come, and it's a weird one. Unicorn is approved for 20 countries. So for those of you who don't remember what Unicorn is, Unicorn is an esports betting platform, and that platform has been approved by the Iowa Man, which is the most notorious, like, stringent uh, gambling regulation for some reason, this one like place <laughs> is like notorious. And then once it passes there, pretty much you get all of Europe for free because everyone just looks to them uh, as far as like decisions on whether they should pass this gambling regulation. Very similar to how everyone looks at the Nevada Athletic Commission. For anyone who's a fight fan, you know, boxing and UFC regulation passes there. All the other states adopt it. Isle Man is the same thing. So. Unicorn is approved for its wagering license and is able to roll out in major areas like Europe, South Korea, other Asian countries, plus certain parts of Latin America. Now, esports betting is not available in the U.S., but skill-based betting will be available in 41 states. Now, what does that mean? That means Unicorn allows you to place wagers on video game matches that you play with the odds being calculated by your Unicorn website profile based on previous bets and like placement in major tournaments. That's freaking crazy. So you can get on Street Fighter and you can like, well, Street Fighter isn't a supported game right now, but you can get on, let's see, like StarCraft 2, have a one-on-one match, and both of you wager against each other on Unicorn, and Unicorn will come up with like fair odds based on both of your records, and then you guys have the match, and the winner gets the money. 
So currently, Unicorn supports Fortnite, Hearthstone, and StarCraft II for player-based bets of skills. For Europe and parts of Asia, esports betting will be approved for a wider range of games, including the League of Legends final. So in Europe, you can just straight up say, like, I think Unicorns of Love are going to win, you know, the entire whatever esports world champ or League of Legends world championship. And then you'll get odds, just like if you said a certain, like, uh, basketball team is going to win the playoffs. Now, this is pretty crazy. And I know a lot of you guys are like, who's going to log into Unicorn, make an account, find someone else with an account, and then go on, like, Fortnite or Hearthstone, one-on-one battle each other, and then, you know, the whole flow. But imagine if online competitive games had the wagering built into them with cryptocurrencies. So my Counter-Strike team plays your Counter-Strike team before the match and notices both of us have whatever cryptocurrency account set up we wager back and forth we look at the profiles we're like okay you know we beat you two to one and the other person says okay i'll take that bet on and then we wager as a team whatever amount of money we play the match winner gets the cryptocurrency i mean that's 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 crazy crazy and i really shout on unicorn when they're first announced but i have to eat my words because i think this could be big so unicorn's cryptocurrency unicoin gold has had its IPO, which is the initial coin offering, in October 2017 and raised $31 million from that. So I assume that Unicoin Gold will be what you actually um, buy and wager with on the Unicorn website. And go check it out if you're interested. Next up, forgotten console maker and television to release a new console in 2020. So Intellivision Amico will be a retro console featuring a wide range of reimagined and remade retro games for the Intellivision Atari and Imagic. I don't know. I wasn't around then. I can't pronounce this console right. So this is things like, uh, you know, like super old games, super old 2D games like Adventure or something. So the console will be priced between $149, $179. It will be released in October 2020. All the games are rated E, and they proudly say there's no costly DLC or in-app purchases. Hmm, it's hard. The person that remembers these games is between the ages of 50 and 60 and doesn't want to spend $200 on something that their iOS laughs at. It's it's hard. It's a really hard sell. It's really hard unless there's something like crazy exclusive or, you know, special that really will sell the console. And if you're just remaking games that, like, any CS101 student can make nowadays, what are you doing? And, uh... I think, like, the catchiest name right now is this should be named the Reverse Ouya. So the Ouya was only in-app purchase games, but was also just a cheap hunk of junk. And this is, you know, only not in-app purchase games, but it's still going to do the same thing. Next, China officially closes green channel processing of gaming license. So for those of you who listen regularly, you know, China is constantly, like, blocking foreign games from getting released dating back to earlier this year. So getting a foreign game license in China will not happen anytime soon. The green channel process was a kind of loophole that allowed games to have a one-month trial and allowed developers to make money while the game was awaiting approval. So Tencent uh, pioneered this process by releasing Fortnite on desktop PCs 
for one month and allowed them to make all of the in-app purchase money they wanted for a month and had to pull it back down. So, game licenses have been stalled since April, and analysts expect this stall to continue until next year sometime. And all because the Chinese government hopes to curb myopa and the youth. You know, myopas everywhere, guys. And I think everyone knows that all the avenues to monetize games were going to close. <laughs> I mean, no one was really expecting this to stay up for much longer. And now we'll just have to wait and see how much Tencent stock can drop until China decides to let it release Fortnite officially. Oh, well. <laughs> Next up, Raspberry Pi to start a trade magazine for game developers. So title Wireframe. The new magazine hopes to cover tools and developers of games rather than game reviews and previews. Now, for everyone too old to remember, there used to be an amazing magazine called Game Developer that was ran by the same people who did Game of Sutra and GDC. It was shut down, I don't know, somewhere in like 2013 or 2014, and I'm hoping that Wireframe can be like the hero we deserve and cover game development like it deserves to be covered. So editor Ryan Lambie says, with Wireframe... We want to give readers an inside look into games and shed light on how they are made. So many people dream of being game developers and they don't realize how accessible that dream is. We want to show the software and technology is there for them to start making games now. So for me, it seems this isn't quite for developers as Game Developer Magazine was, but it's a nice middle ground between like Game Developer Magazine and some kind of consumer like game review website, which frankly at this point I'll take because we need more of this. Um, I've already ordered my first issue. The first issue, print issue is free. I think every issue is going to be online for free. And uh, everyone else, go get your first print issue for free at Wireframe's website. And finally, the Vatican has commissioned a Pokemon Go clone titled Follow JC Go. (laughs) So I guess the JC stands for Jesus Christ. So in this AR-ish game, you're not collecting Pokemon but instead you're collecting saints and other blessed characters from the Bible. And instead of battling, you answer questions about these saints and other Bible questions in general. And you know what? Why not? It's good brand advertising. I doubt anyone's going to give up throwing Pokeballs at Dragonite to throw Pokeballs at St. Paul. But uh, go for it, Vatican. You know, why not? I'm sure they're just so tired of people running around the Vatican and like, trying to capture. What's, what, what would be the holy Pokemon? Like, hmm, what is the holiest Pokemon? I don't know. I'll have to get back to you guys. Maybe Celeste? I don't know. All right, so we got some business news. First one up is quite a weird one. So Epic Games raises $1.25 billion from multiple top-end investors. So a list of who's who in private equity and VC just invested in Epic. And they are KKR. Iconic Capital, Smash Ventures, Azematic, Vulcan Capital, Kleiner Perkins, and Lightspeed Venture Partners. And it's very curious from a company that Tencent actually owns almost like 50% of. I wonder why they did this, and I wonder how or what this does to their shares and whether it dilutes them or not. So Epic stated very vaguely that the fundraising was to, quote, reinforce its position as a leader in real-time 3D technology while also accelerating its ability to improve the way people play, work, and interact with the world. That means absolutely nothing, people. It's not If you're just wondering, like, hey, I don't really get what they're saying. They're not saying anything. That was just crap. Who knows what that means? Also, it's very con- 
curious considering many market analysts have estimated Fortnite to make somewhere between one and two billion in revenue since launch. Probably closer to the two billion now. So, GameIndustry.biz reports that in 2012, Tencent acquired a little over 48% of Epic for Epic, and the cost of the stock was around $330 million. Earlier this year, Bloomberg put the company's total value between $5 billion and $800 billion. So, I guess Tencent, Disney, and Endeavor, three of Epic's largest stakeholders, want to cash in on their long bet. And to me, it kind of makes sense. I mean, Epic's Unreal Engine isn't exactly printing money, and it's still too big of a high barrier entry compared to Unity to be widespread and widely adopted. So this may be the highest evaluation the company will ever see. The other more conspiratorial idea is that Epic has hit its peak of game development, and they're not going anywhere in the game indi- game engine industry. So to grow, they need to target other parts of the game industry. Now, they already have a footholds in other companies' development, so distribution would likely be the target, especially considering their attitude towards Google Play and the fact that they aren't releasing Fortnite on the Google Play Store and say they don't want to basically give up 30% for nothing. So the theory is that Epic is looking to challenge Valve and dominate game distribution over PC and mobile. And that's very interesting to me. What does a company do once it's hit its giant money printer called Fortnite? So Riot famously did nothing and will likely be a shell of itself in 5 to 10 years. You know, Riot had League of Legends. It was printing money. It had Tencent as an investor. It had everything in the world. They claimed all the time that they were working on, like, three to five games. No game was ever released. League of Legends is stagnant. hasn't really, like, evolved. League of Legends fan base is finally on a decline. It's no longer dominating Twitch. Riot has nothing to kind of show for its, like, years of dominance. And so maybe Epic's smart, you know. When Valve was on top of the world, they went into distribution. So this investment is another aspect of the game industry that makes perfect sense. Outside of that, Epic could go into publishing, but that's a crapshoot. Like, you don't want to end up like EA, Take-Two, Ubisoft, Activision, managing, like, many, many, many studios and trying to get, like, alignment on common goal. So question is, will we all be running to Tim Sweeney in the future and begging for featuring on whatever Epic's uh, digital storefront it's called? I guess we'll find out, but still crazy. Why, why raise $1.25 billion from, like, legends like KKR, Kleiner, Perkins, you know? I don't know. Curious to find out, though. All right. This is the sad story of the week. Sad. So Gamego acquires Tryon Worlds. And there's a lot to the story. So Gamego is a German publisher with more than 30 MMOs and 500 casual titles. I've never heard of them. I've pretty much never heard of any of their games. And it'll make sense later on in the story. So Gamego has acquired Tryon Worlds, the owner and developers of the MMOs Rift, Defiance, Trove, and Arcage. Now, the acquisition by was by way of assignment for the benefit of the creditors, which is kind of like an alternative to bankruptcy when a company defaults on its payments and debt. Kind of the creditors get to decide what to do because they could force the company into bankruptcy or they could provide this alternate. So Tryon couldn't make its payments, got sold off. The amount it was sold off for is undisclosed, but Game Ego says the acquisition will raise their real 
their yearly revenue by 18 million. So I don't know what the multiplier is for MMO developer, but probably not much higher than 18 million. All right, the acquisition also saw major layoffs at their two studios in Redwood City, California, and Austin, Texas. So a source told Gamma Sutra that only 25 employees remain at each studio, meaning that over 150 people were laid off during the acquisition. Ouch. So Tryon effectively went from a company of like over 200 employees to a company with around 50 employees. And frankly, I think those employees know and all of us can guess that those 25 employees at each studio won't last much longer. It's really sad to hear. Luckily, Austin and the Bay Area are hotbeds for tech and gaming, and I hope those employees find new homes soon. And this has been a really rough Q2 for everyone, because before this this try-on layoff, we had over 500 game industry employees losing their jobs, most famously from Telltale shutting down. Rough, 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 rough. Yeah, it's it's really rough out there. MMOs are rough too, especially because like free-to-play commodity games dominate the market, and it's really hard to get someone to pay a subscription for MMO. MMOs are super expensive because the art and server programming, but the art is really like the most expensive. You have to create this like massive world that's living and breathing. And frankly, the MMOs have to be designed from the ground up extremely well to support kind of like well-level spending while still feeling fun for the free players because the free players ultimately become the content for the well players to stick around and play. So try and attempt it to like convert their existing MMOs to free-to-play from subscription, but they can only do so much to revenue. Because if your game wasn't designed around free-to-play from the beginning and was designed around subscription, there's only so much you can do. Because you're either going to make a game that generates a lot of revenue at first because it gives people like straight-up power for money, but then everyone's going to leave the game. Or it doesn't do a lot, and you kind of have pseudo-subscription where you're basically charging people 5 to $10 a month to play the game in other ways, but you're still not going to generate the revenue you need to cover your costs. So good attempt, Tryon. Um, you know, happens to everyone. I don't know. I don't have anything positive to say, people. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Let's wrap up business news. So Advance acquires the eSport Observer. So Advance is a media company. It's kind of an old media company. They have a lot of companies under them. They'll take over the esports reporting website weeks after it acquired another esports-themed company, Nuzu. And Nuzu is an esports analytics firm. So this is a pretty major play by uh, old money interested in esports. They say it's to expand their sports portfolio, which I find it interesting that they shove esports under sports. So, hmm. All right, next up, Resolution Game raises $7.5 million in Series B funding. They're the developers of Angry Birds FPS and Fishing Some Bait. And they finished fundraising to continue work on AR and VR games. So, sounds all good. Unfortunately, their most recent games were released on Magic Leap exclusively, so the word profitable won't appear anytime soon in their reports, and we'll probably see a Series C funding after this one. Fat Shark developers of Warham, 
Warhammer Vermintide acquire a Sweet Studio AB. So a Sweet Studio is a nine-person studio known for mobile games, most of which I've never heard of. And all nine employees will move into Fat Shark's office and help on Warhammer Vermintide 2. Pretty random acquisition for nine people. Like, why would, why buy a company for nine people? Probably because there's some, like, really smart key hire that they couldn't steal away from the company, so they had to pay the guy out. Or girl. And, uh, force them to join Fat Shark. Good play, I guess. Finally, Epic Games opening new offices in Australia and New Zealand. And the Game Developers Association of Australia CEO, Anthony Reid, will be stepping down to lead both offices. And speaking of people, we have two interesting people stories. First off, Brandon Aribe, Oculus co-founder, leaves Facebook. So following the exodus of other founders from Facebook, including Instagram, um, I don't remember the other ones, the last remaining Oculus founder leaves this week. Now, the rumors from TechCrunch report that this was over shutting down the release of the Rift 2, a headset display that is kind of like the sequel to the original Rift and still required the powerful desktop machine to run it on. Facebook wants to move towards cheaper standalone headsets and inexpensive ones that require $3,000 plus computers. And finally, former Disney VP joins Gearbox. So, John Vinoki, the former VP of production for Disney Infinity franchise, is joining the Borderlands studio to work on a quote, new tentpole project and new IP. He will be the executive producer of this new IP, and if we had to put money on it, it's probably going to have some kind of physical companion to the game, or else why bring in the Disney VP of uh, Disney Infinity? All right, that's it for this week in games. Um, Curious to see what happens next week. This was a good one. I'll see you guys later. Bye.